Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey guys, Working Class on DeerCast. We're here with another episode this week, um, right after the 4th of July. We're on the 4th of July is when this is supposed to launch, but I don't know if we're going to do that or not. But here's my good buddy, Todd Anderson. How's it going, Kurt? What's up, man? Thanks for coming. Absolutely. We went to the taxidermist this morning is how we spent our day, really, there at Old Barn Yeah. and uh, Fort Madison. You dropped off, I mean, heck, you took a fleet of a deer in. Yeah. So uh, I'm excited to see your big white tail from a couple years ago come back. Me and you both. I think um, what those guys are doing down there at Old Barn is uh, it's amazing for the the just the vastness of their operation yeah. from from A to Z where they're not depending on anyone else they've got everything under their own control. Yep, super impressive. They're kind of like pushing the industry. I think for what tax I, I want I don't want to say what tax is capable of because they're paving the way for a lot of it. But he's kind of it's not this like mom and pop. It, it is mom and pop, but it's. It's not mom and pop attitude. It's like, how can we make this better, more efficient, and continue to grow? Absolutely. Maybe that's a bad analogy, mom and pop, but because that's always a good quality, right? It's a family owned business. You know, he's talking about how he's got nephews and nieces and sons and daughters working there with him. I think Mm -hmm. he said he's got over 20 employees on site every day. Mm -hmm. And I mean, like you've said so many times, their hands are on a lot more deer than just what comes out of their shop. Oh, yeah. They're supporting a lot of taxidermists all over the Midwest, probably the whole country. Yeah, I mean, yeah, chances are your taxidermist in whatever town you're from might use Old Barn for their tannery. And well, Yeah, over 15,000 capes a year go through there, he said. It's pretty incredible. Amazing, yeah. It's so. pretty It's pretty dang incredible. So we did that, dropped off some some uh, mule deer and some of your whitetails that you yep. just hadn't taken in, and so we got that done, but... We're kind of in this weird transition, I think, in the summer because I feel like after turkey season till about the 4th of July, a lot of people aren't really, it's kind of family time, Mm -hmm. home project time, 
ketchup ketchup yep. you know not, you don't think about as dear as heavily as you do post fourth of july well yeah it's not as exciting to see a bunch of deer running around with uh half of a pop can <laughs> on top of their head right <laughs> right but yeah it's not yeah. a lot to pay attention to right now that's exactly it yeah and now it's like now people are like all right now it's about trail cam time yep. Um, let's start thinking about tactics in the summer, like s- scouting, uh, what we're going to look for, locate deer that you might want to hunt, how to implement the game plan for that deer you want to hunt. Um, the new deer cast update just came out recently. It's very fresh and we just got freshened up on some of it. Um, you know, if you don't have deer cast already, you're probably just listening to this audio and you're not watching it in deer cast. You should be in deer cast. Yeah. Um, but dude, this Everything that's coming on DeerCast is going to change how a whitetail hunter can fine-tune and calculate moves and game plans and wind direction and weather prediction and rain data and all that is it's the ultimate tool now. Definitely. You know, when I started killing a lot better quality bucks was when I started paying a lot more attention to what was going on. Mm-hmm. And the new DeerCast gives you all of the tools you need in one place yeah. to really dial in and understand what's going on in your farm yeah every day of the year the ability to look at uh, weather patterns weather history history and for the next 14 days and the expected movements i mean it's what a powerful tool it's going to be awesome i'm yeah. excited to use it like even like the rain gauge yeah for like your that spot on your farm where your food plot is even if right. it's like a little kill p- food plot that you put in by hand it's important to know if you got rain or not and especially if you have a property that's three hours away right and you can't always go check and see what it's looking like you can you know it goes by it's you, it might not be exact but you have an idea of how you know much if you rain got you rain got. or not yeah absolutely yeah. yeah um do you think i have there's a couple directions i want to go right now but um i wonder how much that'll change i think for me that'll help me map out my game plan in certain spots but what what do you think changed it for you when you said you started killing big deer? Was it like a wind direction thing where you understood wind better? Like what was the one thing you think that clicked? Or maybe maybe it isn't one thing. Yeah, I wouldn't say I wouldn't be able to write a list of exactly what they were. I think it's just the overall approach of instead of just saying, you know, deer on the farm go through this area, all of a sudden it's well, what's going on surrounding the farm? What's the the, bigger picture? These things are happening. Yeah, absolutely. And it takes time to understand all that. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, I'm excited this year because, you know, most of our area is on a two-year crop rotation, right, between Mm -hmm. bean and corns, beans and corn. And when I killed um, two years ago, I had a really good season. Mm -hmm. And now we're kind of set up in the same agricultural fields, are all growing the same things they were two years ago. Yeah. So my expectation is... I can do some of the things that I did two years ago and be in certain areas of the farm at certain times. Right, right. And hopefully the deer are doing the same thing they were then. Yeah, so. which, yeah, more than likely, probably. I would think so. But that's what that's the fun of it, though. It's like Without every deer has its own personality, its own quirks and things it does. But, like, I guess when I had my brain lag, um, I want like I wondered if I would have had deer cast sooner. Because mm-hmm. I feel like the one thing, you know, and I can break it down further, it's like wind direction, understanding wind how to hunt wins, how do you use wins to their advantage and also how you make it work for your advantage. I feel like once I got that down, things started happening. I don't want to say easy, but easier. Where it's like I saw more big deer. Sure. Because they weren't catching on to me before I could even see them. So, but I, I wondered if like before I, I'm not saying I'm an expert on it. I just understand it better and right. I'm always learning. 
But I wonder how much I could have flattened that learning curve with a tool like DeerCast, knowing how to use it and paid attention to like the DeerCast, you know, like the, the social feed that's on DeerCast and how to use this tool to apply it to strategy and terrain and weather and all that. Well, I don't think it would have made your learning process any longer, you know, it right, certainly yeah. would have improved it. Um, I, I love the idea of being able to, you know, all of the new features that they have with, you can track how you're entering and exiting stands. And yeah. the thing about that I think as I get older is my memory is not as good as I think it is. You mm -hmm. know, we think we remember, oh, the year, you know, three years ago when I killed that buck, I went in this way. Wait a minute. Did I go in that way that day or was that the week prior when I went in there? I, do, I don't remember exactly. So, yeah. But when you have it stored in, a, in an app like this, you can pull back and see exactly what you did. Right. All of the information's there and you can just try to, you know, like you said, understand better what's going on and yeah. what you did right or wrong. It's almost like date. You can, you have your data log of like right. your success, like where you need to take note of that and stuff like that. So, yep. yep. Um, is there anything like summer prep wise coming in? Cause we're all starting to get, we're starting to think about deer and antlers. Mm -hmm. They're growing, they're looking rackable yeah. again and all that. Like, is there anything you're going to try different this year coming in or looking for in the summer leading into season? Um, this year, I think what I'm going to try to do is I'm going to try to identify a couple of bucks. And usually for me, it's always around the 4th of July. I'll start mm -hmm. putting cameras out and try to get some inventory. Yeah. I've got, um, there's two deer that made it through last year. We found sheds on this spring that I'm very interested in. And if I can locate them this summer, I may actually try to step back from doing, um, too many kill plots this year mm -hmm. and just kind of really focus on a couple that I can hunt. Um, very strategically mm -hmm. and try to get those deer more focused on um, not having as many options. Right, right. You know, so yeah. just getting them to be more committed to coming into a specific spot. I like that you brought that up because I kind of was, I was talking to Chandler mm -hmm. and I'm like on, on the new farm and I'm like, man, I want to do some clover here and this here and this here. And I get excited. Yep. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't think you want to do that. Like, yeah, more food, the better, right? Like more possibility of more deer there. But you're going to spread it so thin that it's going to be hard to pinpoint what certain deer are doing if food's just everywhere. Right. I mean, think about it like this. If you have, uh, if you are in Nashville, Tennessee, mm -hmm. and you say, I'm going to go out to a bar, mm -hmm. good luck guessing which one, right? <laughs> yeah, find me at the bar. Right. But yeah. if you're in New Windsor, Illinois, and you say, I'm going to a bar, you're probably going to be at the depot. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just, yeah. Right. That's a great analogy. Because it's like... Take. That's, a, that's the perfect analogy, actually. Yeah, so. Clint would probably have uh, worded as if I'm going to go chase this one girl <laughs> in Nashville, I got to make sure I'm at, at I got it's going to take me this long to hunt at every bar, every single bar to right? run into yeah. this chick once to get an opportunity to maybe take her home. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Put the odds in your favor. So Chandler basically checked me on that same thing that you're doing. And I think that's a smart move. I mean, I don't know if it is or not. It's going to be something a little different. We'll see. You'll um, learn. You'll know next yeah. year if you want to do the same thing. That's you know? exactly right. Mm -hmm. And that's like that's the fun of it. Without a doubt. But I would think that's a good, that's a really strong game plan because if you focus your energy on two plots instead right. of a bunch of little plots, you know, when a, if a plot needs maintained here, it's easier to jump to the plot mm -hmm. rather than like, well, I got this one, this one, this one I got to take care of. And exactly. Time's short and I got to just get it done. And so you can really do that. And plus... Your entry and exit for those plots because they're more laser focused, which is basically the trend of what this new DeerCast update is. It's a laser focus That's for right. your spots. Um, your entry exit can be more calculated. Right. Your well, entry exit's like the biggest thing for food plots. Your wind direction, 
Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, any anywhere you're hunting, I think you got to consider what your impact is doing to the deer when you're in there. Some mm-hmm. spots you go in, you know you can't go back in for a week or so yeah. and let them calm back down. But there are certain areas you can go in and you can hunt them three, four, five days in a row if you didn't, you know, booger up. Mess it up. Yeah. You know what I'm surprised? Maybe you are. Um, are you on the e-bike gang yet? I'm not in. I'm not on the e-bike bike game yet. I'm addicted. I know you are. Like, it, I don't know if I can hunt with that one. <laughs> and I, I, people who don't, I mean, we're close, right? So I tell right. you and you know, and I'm yeah. always talking about them. But for if someone doesn't know me, they just hear it on here. They're like, that's stupid. I no, I, I remember last year, I, well, when you were telling me, I, th- I don't know if it was after the hunt or you texted me during the hunt. You're like, I just drove my e-bike right past a buck. Mm-hmm. He just like stood there and didn't even care. Like he was bedded down. Yeah. You just saw him stand up, went right back down. Didn't yeah. even care. It's weird. It's I call it the magic carpet. Yeah. But that is uh, really... It, you don't leave a scent trail. Right. It's one. It's one of the main things I think that I had success as early as I did on the that buck I killed. That um, you took the amazing yeah. photos of. Like, the, he walked where I rode my bike. Yeah, that's incredible. You know, it's like you're not touching the ground now. If you know, if you ride through, if you run over your girl's perfume bottle in the garage and <laughs> right. run it through, maybe yeah, right. But uh, it's better than walking on the ground. Absolutely. But I don't know. Maybe that's something to implement. You know, if you got two plots, you're focusing on just to get that scent off the ground. Something to think about. It is. Yeah, absolutely. Because my game plan, like I'm doing something similar, like what I had as a late season plot last year, Mm -hmm. um, I seeded it, frost seeded it for clover, and I'm just going to keep that maintained. Yeah. And then I'm doing a late season plot, but I've already prepped in like the borderline screening. So what I'm going to do, I have uh, have it set up for a north wind. I'm going to put a box blind on it, which I've never had a box blind before. Yeah. And I'm going to weed eat a e-bike trail through the center of that green screen so I can green screen ride all the way into the box blind for the right wind. So you're basically in a tunnel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. With the wind in my face the whole time, but the way it's set up, hard to explain without like giving my spot away and showing on a right. map, it'll still be good for the deer. Yeah. Awesome. So that's my strategy coming into the fall, like in my head for summer. Well, I think it'll work. I hope. Yeah. You <laughs> think, uh, is there a specific deer you're after? So there's, um, yeah, there is. Well, there's two that there's one that I, I'm curious to see what he is. Um, and then there's another one that was like pretty unique. Not, he wasn't a huge deer, but he had like a little drop time right. and some goodies. That's always fun to wonder what they're going to develop into. Yeah. Cause you don't know. I mean, he could be the same, he could be smaller or he could blow up into some big typical with no junk or right. What, what are the deer uh, that you're looking at? What, are, what do you think they'll be? Um, you know, one of them was a mainframe 10 last year, and he was just a little bit spindly, mm-hmm. you know, but I think he was a four-year-old last year, and he, we, the one side we found, he probably would have scored right at 160. He has a lot of tine length. and um, As a clean typical? Yeah, clean typical. And um, there's a picture of him on my Instagram where he's just like looking at us from the edge of a field where we're in a ground blind. Yeah. And, and I think that was the first day we put that blind in. Mm-hmm. And he came out in the field on the far end, and then he dropped down in this little draw that goes up. You, were you texting me during this? Yes. Yeah, 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 I remember this. That was yeah. the day, and um, and he just popped up like twenty yards away, and he's just like staring right at us, <laughs> and uh, it's a it's a fuzzy picture because I couldn't quite get the uh, mm-hmm. the camera to work quite right, but right. Um, but you can see his frame. He's framey. Yeah. And so uh, I think he has potential to really blow up into something. Pretty yeah, cool especially as a four year old, that's what you're thinking. Yeah. I mean, it's hard for me to let him get 
hole. I, you know, I just like to shoot him, you know? Well, if he would have came out in the open, he may not have made it through last <laughs> He might have got it. Yeah. Well, but, I mean, a deer like that going from a four and a half year old, yep. like 160s, yep. to a five and a half year old could, a deer can put on 30 inches, 40 Potentially, inches. yeah. Could. Yeah. So I'll definitely be looking for him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a, that's an exciting one. Yeah. And then there was a there was a deer that came in. You know, it was a strange season on our farm last year. We had, I would say, five or six of the mature deer just kind of go away. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if neighbors killed them. I don't know if something else happened to them. Um, we did find one of them dead <clears throat> this spring. So I don't know if we had a little touch of EHD. I've heard rumblings, right? You always mm-hmm. hear rumblings, though. Mm-hmm. So exactly. Um, but I do know that like the middle towards the end of October, like October 20th, 23rd, a, what I would guess, five and a half, six and a half year old, eight point came in and he's probably a 150 class eight, mm-hmm. super heavy. And when he showed up, a bunch of different bucks disappeared. So I don't know if he's just like a bully. Oh, interesting. You know what I mean? And he yeah. just kind of ran a few deer off. But if he's still around, he'll be high on the uh, oh, yeah. list. So. That makes you wonder. Yeah. that's. I think that happens a lot more than people give credit to. Well, and if if we end up, if he's there and we end up killing him, will some of the other deer come back? That'll be interesting to see. Makes you wonder. I, I would say within time, right? Yeah, we'll, we'll find out. Because we had a similar situation. I know bully bucks might not always be like a big rack deer. Right. They can be 120s, but just be kind of a-holes, you know? Yep. Um, there's a buck we call, for the sake of this clean podcast, we'll call him WD. Right. Whiskey Something. D. Yeah. And uh, my buddy Joe Humphreys called him that, and he's like, at a farm in Indiana, he's like, hey, yep. you need to... We need to shoot this deer. He's old, mature, but he's no no rack. Right. But he's just a mean SOB. And I could have shot him when I was hunting there two years ago. And he just looks like an old dog. Like, yeah. drags his feet when he walks. Like, I'm like, man, I probably should have shot him. But I, I had a week of hunting, you know? Right, exactly. And now Joe's like, I really wish <laughs> you would have shot that deer because I, he's a problem. Is he still out there, as far as I know? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Dang. Um, and he's got, I mean, he's got the deer ran out of there. Yeah. Like he in the summer the velvet deer are there and then he comes in and they're gone. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's crazy how that works. And he's nothing. Like when I say nothing, he's not he's not a hundred inches. No joke. Like he might be when I the year I could have shot him, he might have been like a hundred and five inches. Every time's broke off though. Jeez. So he's just mean. I yeah. don't know. Tempered, Ill, like ill tempered, ill mannered. I don't know. You gotta get him out. I mean, that's that's a deer that will certainly impact your hunting area. No doubt yeah. about it. Oh, yeah. You know. That's like that. Remember the black rhino? Mm-hmm. <laughs> when it was basically this bully animal that was killing the younger breeder rhinos. Yeah. It's that. Same thing. He's the black rhino. Yeah, exactly. That's probably what we should just call him, the yeah. black rhino. From now on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but that's a problem. I don't know. That would be interesting if yeah, you do we'll get see. that buck or maybe that buck moved back to wherever he came from. and We'll see. Because like, yeah, like you said, I didn't see him at all last summer. He just showed up the end of October. I don't know if somebody pushed him in or what happened, but... Mm. Um, yeah, there was like a big shift that happened right then. Is Have you ever heard any scientific breakdown on bully bucks? Like, is that, no. like, I wonder if like, a biologist would be like, that's not really a thing, or if that's like on par from what they see. I don't know. I'm, it, I, I think would, it's real. I think it's real for sure, too. I think there's just too many legit whitetail hunters that talk about it where, yeah. you know, it's, they've experienced the same thing. Yeah. Um. So I, yeah, I haven't heard anything from biologists, but it's a thing. Yeah, makes you wonder, like, like, get an opinion that they would argue that. But it's like, if we all experience it. Right, exactly. Then it's got to be, I mean, we're in-field data observers, yeah. I guess, to a point, especially you had deer cast in. It's like, we're taking data all the time on what we're doing. For and sure. applying data to make a new tactic to see more deer or the right deer. So technically, 
We're biologists. I like it. <laughs> yeah, self-proclaimed biologist. Yeah. Um, so anything else you're going to try, like for season, you know, like talking, we're talking summer, like maybe focusing on a couple plots, but what about yep. during season? So this year, I think I'm going to try um, hunting in the food plots a little bit more than I have in the past. Like in the food in, plots? Yeah, like actually hunting over them. Mm -hmm. um, and with that, something I always talk about wanting to try and never, just that period that it works goes so fast, but I'm going to I'm commit myself to um, work in some decoys a little bit more this year, mm -hmm. uh, see if I can get some some deer to react, respond to that. Part of the reason why is a couple of my food plots are, you know, one and a half to two acres, mm -hmm. and it's really easy for a deer to come in and skirt a corner, check the food plot. Right. If they don't see what they want to see out there, they just keep moving. Keep moving, yeah. Yep. yeah. So where I hunt at um, on one specific spot, I come in from the field side and then I've got some screening mm -hmm. and, and I've got a blind in that screening and it's, you know, 150 yards from the timber and the deer will pop out. If they don't see anything, they go right back in. Mm. And so if I have something out there to draw them out, I'm hoping maybe I can have a good experience there. Yeah. That, that's something that's always seems like attractive to me is decoying. And then I feel like I did it a couple days last year mm -hmm. and then I immediately go back as soon as I do it and put the energy to carry out the decoy and do it. I look at it, I'm like, ah, I don't like this. You know what I mean? I do. I get it. <laughs> but some guys will rock, hunt them for a month straight while right. hunting over a decoy and yeah, not hunt without them. Some guys are doing a really good job with them. How do you think you're going to be if you get one out? Because I, I know you ordered a decoy, but. Mm -hmm. um, I I mean, I'm, I'm going to be optimistic. I think I'll have yeah. some really good hunts. I'm going to try to make sure that I have a camera rolling when I'm out there too, just for my own personal you know, yeah, enjoyment it spices but, it up. Yeah, definitely. You know? um, so if something good happens, you'll you'll have it. You'll have the footage. Right. Do, are you one of those guys when you hunt? Do you? Because I'm kind of this way. I lean this way where I feel like if I do something a little out of the ordinary, I'm like ah, I'm making a mistake. Like I'm I just need to pull back. I'm not aggressive enough. Sometimes I don't think. Man, so the first time I had a friend of mine come in and hunt with me, I had him set up on this one side of this creek from me, and he was probably 150 yards away from me, and we were just in tree stands down in this bottom. And I ended up shooting a 150 inch 10 that day. And when I went to get him, he's like, man, did you hear that racket going on the whole time? And I was like, no, I didn't hear anything. What are you talking about? He's like, it sounded like somebody was over here blowing a grunt call the whole time we were in the tree to the tree stand. I go, yeah, that was me. <laughs> like I'm aggressive. Big really? time. Like I want to talk to the deer. I want to try to in interact with them. Yeah. I want to give them something to come check out. Um, so as far as putting a decoy out, it doesn't make me nervous. Now, if I have a bunch of deer come out and look at it, start blowing at me and yeah, freak yeah. out, I won't give it very much of my season, Yeah, but I'll still keep working on it. Yeah. It's still cool. Like, yeah. It'd be cool to like check it off. Like yeah. you're experienceless. Like I, yep. I killed a deer successfully because of a decoy or. Yeah. Or so, I just want to see one lay the ears back and bristle up and yeah. stiff leg walk. Get the, the interaction yeah, and stuff. Exactly. So I'd like to get, I think it's Chandler and Austin are against blind calling. Really? Like, rarely do it. I don't even think Clint has a grunt tube with them most times. And I'm team, what's a grunt? Yeah. Like, and their team, let's not grunt unless we see a deer. I've had better reaction. I've had better encounters blind calling and having a deer come in than seeing a deer calling to it and having it respond to me. I'm on, I'm on your team with that. Yeah. Now, when I do see a mature deer... If he's walking through an area, especially I would say, which usually I'm not going to go into a good spot until the end of October anyways, but um, from the middle, end of October on, at least through the, gun, the first gun season, 
if I snort wheeze at him, almost almost 100% of the time they're going to respond to that. Right. Even if it's just stop and look, but more often than not they're going to make a move and come over. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on all that. I mean, and I've got I've been in starts of debates with them. I'm like, I'm going to lose this debate because I'm I'm debating Clint right. or Austin. Right. Like it's kind of hard. It's like even if you're wrong and you go to debate Ted Nugent. Right. You're or you're right, and you and he's wrong. You're still gonna be. You're gonna. It's lose. gonna be a tough conversation. It's gonna be tough. Yeah. So I kind of felt like that's where I was going. Now they'd be open for the debate, but it's gonna be hard for me to make my case. Well, the thing is, you know, everybody has their own experiences, and, and that's exactly it. When you when you've seen something work or not work, you're pretty much sold on that. For sure. But every deer is such a unique individual animal. I know. They're all gonna respond a little differently. Well that's the exciting part, man. When right. it's like a crisp November November third. Yep. And it's a high pressure, crisp just fall morning. Yep. And frosty leaves and you throw out a Exactly. And you just hear it echo off yep. everything. You're like, dude, something heard that. Yeah. Exactly. That's a cool feeling. I like it. And it's a motivating feeling. And there's been a lot of times I've done that and then you hear Yeah. And you look over and here comes one. Yeah. So I mean it does happen. They don't get no better than that. No, I agree. That's like one of the best. And that's, you kind of, it's a Hail Mary sometimes, but I think it's your cadence. Big time. Because if you're like, brap, 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 like, right. it's like, well, that's not how they do that. Yeah. Well, and sometimes they could, but you know, not usually. For sure. And I definitely, well, anytime I've ever seen a deer doing that, just like randomly trotting through the woods, doing the, the quick grunt, mm -hmm. it's a small buck. It's a small buck, yeah. Right? It's a two-year-old. Mm -hmm. It's a one-and-a-half-year-old. Um, anytime I'm using a grunt call, I'm going to extend the tube out as long as I possibly can. And I want that thing to sound as deep as possible. Yeah. You know, I don't want them to mistake me for a three-year-old. Yeah. I'm talking like old school yep. buck roar, buck yep. growl, whatever, you know, the mad clear ones exactly. that, that they came out with in the day, which Austin still uses that call. It's a good call. That's a good sounding call. Yeah. You know, but I like it. I think it's motivating. I wonder what everyone else thinks, like listeners. Are you a blind caller? Do you wait to see a deer to call it, or do you not call at all? Like that'd be interesting to see in the comments. Like, yeah, I'd like to know where people lean on that. But like, I like to rattle. I don't over rattle. I like to snort wheeze. I think snort wheezing, if you know how to apply it on a deer's body language, is dangerous. Oh, it's 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 a it, like you said, the right situation, the right time of year, and if the buck's in the right mindset, it's almost a guarantee he's going to come within bow bow range. I would think. Yeah, I mean, I've I've never scared a truly mature buck. Once I was educated on how to apply a snort right. Now, if you go snort wheeze Scotty style, right, and he just throws <laughs> snort wheeze out of nowhere at a two year old at twenty yards, and that you know he comes unglued, that's not how you do a snort wheeze. Exactly, you know, it's not, it's not like how you think it is usually. No, but I, you know, you get that if you do a little grunt and get them to stop and they look and then they go back and then you hit them with the you know the. Exactly. Just enough to where they're like, whoa, hold on. Who said that to yeah, me? That's exactly right. And then you let their own curiosity eat them alive. Yep. And then next thing you know, they're turning around and they're beeline in your direction. If you're in a spot where it's like wide open around you and underneath you and they look over and they don't see anything, maybe they're not going to come in. But if you have any kind of cover around you that they can't see through. Yeah. They're, they want to know what, wait a minute. Like you said, who said that? What'd it's you, almost what like you they're, say? you're getting say it again. Yeah, say, it say it again. Say it again. Yeah. yeah. That's a bet. Yeah. What? Yeah. You're dissing them. Yep. You're trying to take their girl. You're you're something That's like exactly that. exactly what it is. Well, that big buck I was hunting, yep. October 12th, I snort wheezed him in. Now, I only snort wheezed. I watched him snort wheeze another buck. So I'm like, well, October he's doing 12th. October 12th. That's crazy. I was on the ground. Yeah. 
and I had a good win. I'm like, dude, he's out in the field. I'm tucked in on the ground, and I rarely do that. Right. Situation called for. I don't know if I ever told this story, but I'm like, all right, hit him with the snort wheeze like that, and he kind of heard it and looked, but I could tell he didn't really know where it came from, so I kind of let him go back to his biz, and then I hit him with it again, and he's like, and I let his carry, and then next thing you know, he's walking my way. Now, the wind's cutting. It was a west wind, and he's coming at me. So I'm like, okay, he's going to cut to my right. There's my opening. Yep. He goes upwind and goes on the other side of the bush. I'm like, you did what you're not supposed to do. Was that the one right at the end of the day? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he stood there and it just got dark. And yeah. then that was it. That was the hunt. Dang. So he could have so just close. cut how he should have right. downwind of me. He didn't read the script. Yeah, that's all right, though. Yeah, that would have been a story. But that, that's why I, I my setup was right, but it's like you, you can't always control what they no, do. No, you can't. But, but also it's like because of that call... Even though on paper it's like, oh, a deer on October twelfth won't react to a snorwees. You're gonna spook him. You're gonna spook him. Yeah. But if you can see the deer, I think this that's probably where their argument comes. If you can see the deer, then you know it's body language. But I'm also not snortweezing blindly. Right. I only snortweeze if I see a deer. Well, and you didn't just pull the snortweeze out of your bag of tricks on that day, even <laughs> you saw him do it first, right? He did it first. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. you're you're looking at what he's doing and yeah. you're gonna give it back to him a little bit. But that's the one call I won't do blind as a no, snort. I don't either. You know? Nope. But that's a I different agree. that's not really like a locator call. It's not like No. That's an aggressive come over here. F you yeah, yeah. See what you're made of. Like we just went straight into calling tactics because <laughs> I think it's it's interesting. It is, it is. So well uh those guys rattle like will Austin Chandler and Clint rattle blindly? I don't know because anytime I've ever wanted to rattle at a deer, I would not want that deer to be able to look over and see that they hear the rattle, but yeah. they don't see anything fighting. I'm I'm I don't know. Maybe we need to have like a debate. I think we'll have a like a idea. calling debate. Yeah. Me and you versus them two. I like it, and we'll just make a fake argument about it just Perfect. for the sake of great conversation. Yeah, because. I get nervous. To, if I see a buck, I'm nervous to rattle at him. I don't want to give that buck any reason to look up at me. Same. You know? I don't know, honestly. Yeah. I, I'm not sure. Interesting. I, I wonder if uh, we could try and call Clint real quick. I, I'll just text him. He's probably you, working. Yeah, what do you think he's doing right now? He's... I'm <laughs> Shooting his bow. <laughs> I don't know. He's a wild card. Yeah. I'm. T- can you take a call recording now? Keep it clean, please. We'll see if he can take the call, and if he can, we'll uh, we'll, go, we'll we'll see. Okay. But I'm curious. The rattling ones got me curious with him. I don't know. I don't know how they would do it. Interesting. I like the blind rattle. Because that's the fun of it, right? You rattle, Absolutely. you put your antlers up on the limb. And get ready. And then you get ready. Yeah. And then it's like it either happens or it doesn't, and you sit there and... Most of the time for me, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't happen. <laughs> no. out, of the, out of 10 times you rattle, how many times do you think you see a deer because of it? You know, part of that's tough to judge. I would say no more than two, maybe three. Um, but you get those deer that just kind of seem like they're lost, and they're just kind of wandering through a half an hour later, and you're like... Did that deer come because he heard the the rattling a half an hour ago? Hard to gauge it. Yeah, a little bit. No, I mean if they come bombing in and they've got you know snot blown out of their nose and they're covered in stickers. Around, yeah, exactly. Then they probably are coming in in response. Yeah, he said he's driving. Um, I'm gonna call him anyway. Let's see if we this will work. Well, hopefully he don't come in flying with some vulgarness. He said he's driving, so service might be spotty. 
Clint, we're recording. Heads up. What's up? Hey, I'm sitting here with Todd, and we're talking about calling. And the topic got brought up that you and Austin don't do a lot of blind calling. Yes. You, do you, is that that's correct, right? You don't do any blind calling. I I do hardly zero calling as it is ever. Calls and sense are just not just not my jam. I don't have a ton of confidence in them, and I'm just kind of like you know what? I'd rather be not seen, not heard, not smelled. That's like my philosophy. But if I do have to call. Um, it's like a last ditch effort and I'm just trying to peak interest of a buck to come in and hopefully check things out. Okay. Makes sense. Rattling. Do you, do you rattle ever? Never, 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 ever. Okay. There's the answer. Yeah. We're, we're, I, I nope. thought I was pretty sure you guys were on like, cause me and Todd like to blind call. Right. Right. Well, and see like turkey calling and elk in the elk woods. I love it. Well, yeah, tails, yeah. That's different. I've just, you know, I've just. I have confidence with turkeys and elk doing that. Um, with with whitetails, it's just never produced, and I've honestly scared away a couple mature bucks by calling, even in scenarios where I thought, "Oh man, this is my ticket," and I did it, and I'm like, "Shoot, like, gosh, dang it! I should not have done that. I should just let the scenario play out and see what happens." So, yeah, man, I kind of err on the side of caution, like absolute last ditch effort. Like this year, the giant eight. When I saw him on November 7th, I snort wheezed, and he come in. Now, he come in downwind, and that ended up keeping him alive, but he was all bristled up, made two rubs, hit a scrape. I knew. I'm like, you know what? He's going away from me. What do I got to lose? So I just snort wheezed with my mouth as loud as I could twice, and he spun around and come right down in. Now, thermals killed me. Obviously, he's coming in downwind. He was smart. Yeah. You know, That's the he, risk of the calling game. Away. Yeah. Right, exactly. He was two steps away from getting killed at 17 yards, you know, and it was because I hit him with that snort wheeze, but it was like, you know, right moment, right buck in the right scenario. To be honest, I couldn't even tell you when the last time I called it a buck like that. I mean, I'm talking probably six, seven, eight years off the top of my head. Huh. I'd have to go back. So, yeah, it's usually not my jam, but right buck, right time. He almost died because of that. Hey, Clint, remind me, your, your deer out there, they're pretty heavily pressured, right? Super pressured, and I feel like in my area, everybody and their brother, for whatever reason, <laughs> sense and calls, man. That's just like, that's like what they but, live and die by. But Ohio's a bait November. state also. That's well, true. that I was going to say, and then you, you, you take that into effect, plus you've got a ton of guys that think if you dump 50 pounds of corn on the ground, put a ladder stand up, and hunt it every single day, sooner or later a 150 is going to show up. That pressure educates every deer in the woods. So, I mean. Yeah, I'm glad we can't know, do that in Illinois. Yeah, I mean, they're probably I mean, right because it is yeah. Ohio. Ohio is yeah, where I mean, every good deer in the country lives, and every, that's a known fact. Every big buck. Yeah, yeah. Anyone that wants to kill a big deer, just come hunt with me for a thousand bucks. I'll put 100 pounds of corn down. Put you in a ladder stand, hunt it five days straight, you're guaranteed a 150. Guaranteed. It's pretty good bucks. I like that. Yeah. So you heard it there. Buy all your out-of-state over-the-counter tags in Ohio this year. Not yeah. Illinois or Wisconsin or Indiana. Ohio. Clint's got you covered. thousand bucks. I got your buck, and I might even give you a bush light in celebration after we find it. It's a pretty all good deal. All you got to do is make a shot. All you got to do is make a shot. Hey, Clint, do they sell bush light apple out there? Oh, heck yes, they do. Those right. are dangerous. Yeah, they are. Real dangerous. So you just dump a bushlight apple over a corn pile. Boom. Say, well, apple. I was going to say, 
cattle gas stations are baiting not only deer hunters um, for deer, but they're also baiting deer hunters for beer too, because they'll sell corn and bushlight apple. I mean, what better combo? <laughs> Ohio's got it figured out, dude. Smart Drew Carey I mean, was there really one time, do. I think, too. So that's good, yeah. right? Yeah. See, there it is. All right, Clint. It's all we coming had, together. We had to get your hot take. That's all. I was just curious. Hot take. I like it. I like it. All right, I'm just going to keep you on the horn and call you anytime we get a hot take, and you're just going to fill in for a few minutes, and then you can just be on your way. Perfect. As long as I can include Big Beard Bush Light somewhere in the conversation, I'm pretty well good, man. That's that's kind of all I'm good for. Well, in the five minutes you've been on the phone, you've accomplished that mission, and uh, so thanks. Thanks for taking the call. Absolutely. I'm going to go, uh, let's see, I'm going to go rake hay and actually put a few of those uh, Bush Light apples we're talking about inside my grizzly, uh, my little grizzly flip 20, and... Okay. There's my afternoon. Don't wreck the tractor. Sounds good. No, 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 no. I got a 30 acre field. Nothing to hit. All right, buddy. Well, good luck. Don't fall asleep. We'll talk to you later. See you, Clint. All right. See you guys. <laughs> well, there you go. Clint Casper. Makes sense. I get it. Well, you know what I like that what he's doing that I like is that he's doing something different than everybody else, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So he's got deer that are educated to a certain approach. Changes the not, circumstance a little exactly, bit. Exactly. Right. A little bit. Yeah. And it, it, so really. There wouldn't be much of an argument in that because we're, it's not really, for lack of a better term, apples to apples for right. um, pressure situations. Because, I mean, we can hunt pressure deer, right? but it does change things. I get his, he makes a good case on it. He does. Yeah, um, it makes a lot of sense. Chandler would be one to see, because I'm pretty sure he doesn't blind call. Maybe I'm wrong, but I thought he was on Team Clint with that too. Interesting. Because we're hunting same the same deer as Chandler's hunting. Right. You know, yeah. so same type of pressure to exactly. Deer, you know, yeah, same situations. Interesting stuff to think about. I agree. I'm curious to see what listeners throw in comment on Deercast or Facebook wherever you listen. Like how you guys call blind call. Do you need to see the deer? Do you like to wait to a certain type of year before you get out the calls? That type of thing. Just curious. It's a fun conversation. It is. I like that deeper tap into this topic. Absolutely. So we went from Deercast summer planning straight into just calling, which I think is a good conversation absolutely fun yeah that's it man cool thanks for doing this it's always fun to get in here yeah i'm glad you finally got your giant deer dropped off the taxidermist yeah i'm hoping they take their time i'm not sure exactly where i'm going to put them it's a couple years worth of deer that have been sitting around cram them here until we run out of room and then when you get your spot then you can hang them all right all right guys thanks for listening watching you know what to do go shoot a giant good luck out there stay safe I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. For even more content, be sure to watch the original films from HuntStand Presents on the Waypoint TV channel every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Visit waypointtv.com to learn more.